0: Reliance damages. Reliance damages is the measure of compensation given to a person who suffered an economic harm for acting in reliance on a party who failed to fulfill their obligation. If the injured party could go back in time, they should be indifferent to entering into the contract that would be breached and receiving the reliance damages as opposed to not entering into any contract with the breaching party. The injured party should be put in a substantially similar situation position as they would have been had the contract not been entered into. This is different from expectation damages, where the injured party should be indifferent between the fulfillment of the contract and never having entered into the contract. Scope. Reliance damages are valued by a party's reliance interest for the reasonably foreseeable amount. They put the injured party in the same financial position as if the contract had never been formed. Reliance interest is one of the three prongs of interest discussed by legal experts Lou Fuller and William Perdue in their 1936 article, the reliance interest in contract damages. The other two interests are expectation interest and restitution interest. Application. Under contract law, in a bilateral contract two or more parties are obligations to each other. Each party acts in reliance that the other party will fulfill their respective obligation. If one party fails to fulfill their obligation, then the other party may suffer economic harm. Reliance damages compensate the harmed party for the amount of damages they suffered for acting in reliance on the other party's contractual obligations. They are most often rewarded when the aggrieved party's damages are not capable of accurate estimation and ordering specific performance would be inappropriate. Specific performance should never be associated with reliance damages, as specific performance is almost never purely financial, and reliance damages are generally a purely financial remedy. Reliance damages may be differentiated from restitution damages in the context of partial performance. Restitution damages may be invoked when the injured party confers a benefit upon a breaching party, and the breaching party does not fulfill their obligations with the benefit provided by the injured party. If reliance damages are to be invoked, the injured party has generally not conveyed a particular benefit to the breaching party, rather the injured party put themselves in a vulnerable situation in reliance on an action from a breaching party, and that breaching party allowed the injured party to suffer harm as a result of the breaching party's action or inaction. However, it must be reasonably foreseeable to the breaching party that the injured party would be harmed by the breaching party's behavior. If the injured party takes unreasonable action that irrationally relies on a behavior from the breaching party, a court may decide that an injured party may not warrant reliance damages from the breaching party. In U.S. law, reliance damages are the type of damages awarded in promissory estoppel claims, although they can also be awarded in traditional contract breaches. This is appropriate because even if there is no bargain principle in the agreement, one party has relied on a promise, and thus is damaged to the extent of their reliance. These damages must be proven with reasonable certainty. It is not enough that one party simply guess as to how much they are actually damaged. In a losing contract, Reliance damages will be reduced because the aggrieved party cannot be put in a better position had the contract been performed. Here, the losses from the contract will be subtracted from the reliance damages. Examples, Neil and Matt formed a bilateral contract. Neil spent $100 in reliance on the contract, which was foreseeable. However, Matt breached the contract. Reliance damages protect a party's reliance interest. Neil spent $100 in reliance on the contract, which constituted Neil's Reliance Interest. Since Reliance Damage is equal to the value of the Reliance Interest of the injured party, Matt owes Neil $100. This puts Neil in the same economic position as if the contract never happened. In a promissory estoppel context, consider the following example. Neil, a professional photographer, offers to sell his high-quality camera to Matt for $1,000. Matt, an aspiring photographer, agrees to buy the camera and informs Neil that he will enroll in an expensive photography workshop to improve his skills, relying on the availability of Neil's camera. Neil acknowledges Matt's plans and promises to sell the camera to him. Based on Neil's promise, Matt enrolls in the workshop, paying a non-refundable fee of $500. Before Matt pays for the camera, Neil decides to sell it to another buyer at a higher price. Unable to find an alternative camera at a similar price, Matt is unable to participate in the workshop. Analysis In this scenario, Matt may claim reliance damages from Neil based on promissory estoppel. To establish a case, Matt must prove a clear and unambiguous promise made by Neil, selling the camera for $1,000. Reasonable and foreseeable reliance by Matt on the promise Detriment to Matt as a result of his reliance on the promise, losing the non-refundable $500 workshop fee injustice that can only be avoided by enforcing the promise. Here, all elements of promissory estoppel appear to be met. Neil made a clear promise, Matt's reliance was reasonable and foreseeable, and Matt suffered a detriment as a result of Neal's breach of promise. Enforcing the promise would prevent injustice. Reliance Damages If a court finds that promissory estoppel applies, Matt may be awarded reliance damages to compensate him for the loss incurred due to his reliance on Neal's promise. In this example, the reliance damages would amount to the $500 non-refundable workshop fee, which Matt would not have paid had Neil not promised to sell him the camera. This award would aim to put Matt in the position he would have been in had Neil fulfilled his promise. Statutory damages. Statutory damages are a damage award in civil law, in which the amount awarded is stipulated within the statute rather than being calculated based on the degree of harm to the plaintiff. Lawmakers will provide for statutory damages for acts in which it is difficult to determine a precise value of the loss suffered by the victim. This could be because calculation of a value is impractical, such as in intellectual property cases where the volume of the infringement cannot be ascertained. It could also be because the nature of the injury is subjective, such as in cases of a violation of a person's rights. The award might serve not only as compensation but also for deterrence, and it is more likely to succeed in serving a deterrence function when the potential defendants are relatively sophisticated parties. Other functions that can be served by statutory damages include reducing administrative costs and clarifying the consequences of violating the law. The amount of statutory damages can be set on a per-incident basis, such as in the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, which gives statutory damages of up to $1,000 for a violation of its provisions. Amounts could also be set per day, as in acts proscribing human rights violations which might specify damages of $1,000 per day. The term also applies wherein damages are a multiple of what the legally entitled payment would have been in the matter, which would be typical for copyright or trademark infringement. The principle of in pari delicto applies, preventing people from suing others for crimes in which they also are equally at fault. Intellectual property. In intellectual property cases, relating to copyright or trademark, For instance, it is often difficult for plaintiffs to determine the exact volume of infringement. Thus, statutory damages are often calculated as a multiple of the price for the use of the property, if the infringer had requested it paid for permission. Other statutes may set a fixed amount for each day the violation occurred, for each violation, work, article, or type of good. In the United States, statutory damages are set at a minimum of $750 per work, to a maximum of $150,000. In Europe, Directive 2004-48 EC on the Enforcement of Intellectual Property Rights bases the damages on, the amount of royalties which would have been due if the infringer has requested authorization. The Lanham Trademark Act provides for minimum damages of $1,000 and a maximum of $2,000,000, if willful, for using a counterfeit trademark in Commerce, 15 U.S.C. Section 1117C, Lanham Act Section 35C. The Electronic Communications Privacy Act provides for statutory damages for various wiretap offenses of $100 per day, up to $10,000. One area of debate between legal and economic scholars that pertains to the quantification of statutory patent damages is whether the court may rely on information that postdates the determined date of the hypothetical negotiation between the patent holder and the alleged infringer. Some commentators argue that the court should rely on postdate information to deter patent infringement and ensure the patent holder's adequate compensation, while others argue that doing so would give the potential licensee a free option to infringe, which would discourage the potential licensee from promptly entering into a licensing agreement. Civil Rights. California's Unruh Civil Rights Act, Civ. Code, Section 51, Section 52, provides for minimum damages of $4,000 for victims of discrimination under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Trebled Damages. In United States law, Trebled damages is a term that indicates that a statute permits a court to triple the amount of the actual or compensatory damages to be awarded to a prevailing plaintiff. Trebled damages are a multiple of, and not an addition to, actual damages in some instances. On occasion, however, as in California Civil Code Section 1719, they are additive. When such damages are multiplicative and a person receives an award of $100 for an injury, a court applying treble damages would raise the award to $300. Some statutes mandate awards of treble damages for all violations. Examples of statutes with mandatory treble damages provisions are the Clayton Antitrust Act and RICO. Some statutes allow for an award of treble damages only if there is a showing that the violation was willful. For example, Up to three times the amount found or assessed may be awarded by a court in the United States for willful patent infringement. The idea behind the creation of such damages is that they will encourage citizens to sue for violations that are harmful to society in general, and deter the violator from committing future violations. The United States Supreme Court determined in Commissioner v. Glenshaw Glass Company that, like compensatory damages, which are not exempt from federal income tax, unless the award is from a personal injury claim, Such taxes must be paid on the excess amount, the amount that exceeds the actual damages, of treble damages. Furthermore, some foreign governments will assist U.S. citizens in collecting damages, but not treble damage awards, which are considered penal.